Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tuba Portuguese. My name is Angela Simos, and I am here with Luiz Gonçalves. Hi, Luiz. How are you? I'm doing how are you, Angela? Everything good? I'm doing well, thank you. So, Luiz, you and I have been connected on Facebook for a number of years, and right. I've been following your work. I, I know you as a professor at Princeton University, but we're here today to talk about Middlebury Portuguese Language School, which a lot of people know as the Middlebury Portuguese School. Right. Right. And I will say, you know, we talked a bit before we started recording. It sounds like an amazing program for it's at the college level, but not one that I had ever heard of, despite the fact that celebrities attend the school and you're going to tell us all about that. And so I'm willing to bet that a lot of other folks in the community, perhaps maybe on the West Coast or, or folks outside of New England, if you will, aren't aware of this amazing program. So why don't you introduce yourself and how you became a teacher, your path, and then I'll, then we'll talk about the Middlebury Portuguese Language School. Sure. My pleasure. I'm a... I'm originally born in Mozambique, and in 1974, my parents moved back to Portugal when the country became independent. I grew up in the center of Portugal, but when I went to college, I went to a city up north, Porto, that everybody knows because of the port wine. If you don't mm -hmm. know port wine, you're really not Portuguese at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> On my last year in college, I went to the Universidade Fernando Pessoa. We had the, I had a professor from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, in one of the disciplines that at the end she invited me to her office and asked if I wanted to come and do my master's in PG in North Carolina, which I'll be honest with you, I could not point out in the map. <laughs> 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 so I did, and it was in North Carolina that I got my training, uh, my master's and my PG and in Portuguese. I also have certifications in communication studies and in cultural studies. And on my last year there, I applied to one job out of I don't even know why. It's just because it was Columbia University in New York. And who doesn't apply to a job at Columbia right. University in New York? <laughs> they called me. I went up for an interview, spent a whole day there with very tight shoes. They ate up half my foot. But they called me and they hired me. And so I was there for six years. The program was a small program. And I got to, to grow the program a lot and eventually establish a minor in Portuguese and a summer program abroad. I, I started the, the first steps for that and then the colleagues finished it. And when I was doing that, a position opened in Princeton University, which was very, it's, it was already very close to my house. And it was taking me around two hours commute to New York mm -hmm. <laughs> on the train mm -hmm. and on the metro. And uh, I applied for it. So in 2010, I moved to Princeton University where I'm until today. So I kind of didn't choose to be a teacher uh, it kind of like just took over and even my area of research today i today I, I work a lot with foreign language methodology and the acquisition of second language and that was not my primary that was not my primary area of research but when i was in my last year at columbia university i was asked by some colleagues to do a workshop about the work that i was doing with my students and at the time with using an online platform and improv online if, if, Back then, Wikispaces was really big, and there was a lot, <laughs> a lot of things that you could embed in the in Wikispaces and make it this really exciting platform to work writing and speaking and listening and stuff. So by the end of that workshop, I got like 
free invitations and I went all over the country every time I did a workshop I got more invitations so I didn't quite choose to be a professor it kind of chose me and I didn't choose to teach Portuguese or second language acquisition it's just going to happen mm -hmm. uh, I just you know I just went with it so th that's my main goals today is to uh, learn how we have been teaching Portuguese for all these years and understand what can improve, how can we do it better, taking a look at the new technologies that are emerging and we have to constantly critically decide how to use them, what are they bringing to, to our classrooms mm -hmm. and the, the technology keeps changing right and new possibilities being created and so that that's a little bit uh, what i do i do a lot of teacher training also and uh, i'm the the president of the american organization of teachers of portuguese so mm -hmm. through that i can reach a lot of colleagues who also generously have shared a lot with me and i'm very grateful and so you mentioned you know the technologies are changing and how we teach portuguese is, is changing can you give us some examples of things that have maybe worked in the past and aren't working anymore and something new that has been introduced that seems promising? Well, there's a lot going on, right? Uh, technologies, I'll tell you this much. When I came to the United States, which for all purposes was last century, I went to the University of North Carolina and the first thing that they did was they gave me an email and uh, I set it all up, followed all the instructions and I realized I didn't know anybody that I could send an email to because I didn't know <laughs> anybody that had email. So things have changed. I talked a little bit about the work I did with Wikispaces. Wikispaces doesn't exist anymore. Things mm -hmm. are constantly uh, changing. And today, I'm very excited about some opportunities that the, the, the tools and resources that Google makes available for free mm -hmm. uh, allows us to do a lot of interesting things. At Princeton, I've had the the good fortune of working in a university that is really focused on innovation and in technology in the in, in the classroom focused on innovation. And a few years ago, we uh, my program requested a grant to build a platform for the teaching of Portuguese, and uh, we were granted that money and we were able to create it. And I think that is the future in terms of teaching completely freeing instructors from commercial materials that are done mm -hmm. in a very generic manner. But uh, the, the way we teach in uh, Fall River, Massachusetts, is not. it cannot be the exact same way we teach in California in the Central Valley mm -hmm. because the realities of these children and, and their needs and their particular strengths and, and challenges are completely different because of their their the surroundings where they are. So the these new platforms that uh, some of them are very, uh, you can easily transfer, transfer what, I, what we did here to, to a Google Classroom using all the, the tools that Google offers for free. I think it's the future because it allows any instructor anywhere in the world to re really customize their language program to that particular environment where they are working. It also allows for something we used to, to use a Princeton and a book, a commercially offered book, maybe the most popular book in the, in the United States that came out a, a few years like 
20 years ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> almost, and uh, which is accompanied by a platform that has exercises. But um, we kept for years keeping a track of the mistakes and typos in that platform, and we kept sending it to them. And year after year, the typos were still there and the mistakes were still there. With this kind of resources that we have now, the instructor, as soon as it, uh, he or she identify a problem, can correct it immediately, and that's it. You don't have to wait for anybody. You can take ownership through of your own program. And I think that empowers instructors mm-hmm. to do better. And uh, if there was an activity that you created that clearly is not working, you can just erase it and replace it for something else or mm-hmm. rethink it and reconceptualize it in a different way quickly on the spot. And uh, it, it highly recyclable, right? Next mm-hmm. time you teach that course, you can take uh, advantage of everything that you have done already. And if you keep creating things semester after semester, after three or four semesters, you become you freer. You have mm-hmm. a portfolio of activities right. that according to the students you have in front of you, you kind of choose the path for them. And I, I think that's the future. You also allows for breaking the description of linguistic structures in the in the Portuguese language that is a, a lot of times very binary Portugal Brazil and not only Portugal and Brazil for the foreign language learner and even the heritage lang- learner are very poor terms right they don't really define much Portuguese from Portugal from from where from Lisbon or from Porto or from mm-hmm. the Azores. I mean, mm-hmm. what what are you really talking about? Or Portugal from Brazil? Well, Brazil has at least eight major major dialects. So which one are you talking about? <laughs> so what this allows is for you even on the 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 way you present the language, you can customize, and then the student kind of if they are more interested in the Portuguese that is how it's spoken in in the Azores, which you know, when we start to get to the granular uh, things, which island, right? Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you can keep creating things based on videos from one island or another, based on descriptors from an island or another. And then as you increase your portfolio, you can really get at what that student in particular wants out of your classroom. And that's, that's important. I think that's the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. I, I'm also thinking like, with all these innovations and and teachers coming up with, I guess, new and do they new activities? Do they sh- is there a way to share resources? And because I feel like that might be part of the challenge too, especially as we try to establish new new courses or new programs in schools. Right? Is right, right. The curriculum and the activities and what do you do? Well, there there are. <laughs> okay, so. If you want to share things, you have to make sure uh, my courses, and I, I think in the future, most courses will be done the same way because that's the trend. My courses are all completely organized around real documents. So the menus that I use, I, uh, let's say, borrowed. Mm-hmm. from real restaurants. The forms for to open an account in a bank are real forms. My students, for instance, they have to fill up the the real forms to apply for internship at the University of Porto. So it, I didn't come up with this. This is what anybody who wants to do it, that's the documents that mm-hmm. they're going to find. And we don't have recordings 
specifically made to teach Portuguese. We have recordings of radios, of podcasts like this one, if you were in Portuguese, mm -hmm. <laughs> of, uh, of uh, TV shows that we use only the sound and then eventually we get the sound and the image together to corroborate the comprehension. But uh, so when you have a course that is completely organized around real documents, you're going to run into the problem of uh, copyright. So yeah. that's where the sharing kind of hits the wall. Got it, got so it. if Makes you sense. use copyrighted material, everything you do has to be uh, password protected, not shareable. You can use it in your classes for education, but you cannot distribute yeah. or sell it or make it public. That makes sense. So, but it, it curtails the the possibility of sharing. On the other hand, if you do things that are in the public domain and that can be shared, if you have a, a group of people that create exercises together, man, you get a portfolio in no time really fast. Mm -hmm, and the mm -hmm. Google resources are very easy, easily shareable, made mm -hmm. copies. And then if you make a copy, you can even customize it for your students, whatever I say. What, uh, what's the most, the, the, what's the tallest building here at Princeton? Uh, somebody changes Princeton to something else and mm -hmm. it, it immediately works in that context too. So there are some limitations in terms of the materials we can use when we want to share, but using things that we can share allows us the more, I mean, in my experience, in all these years in the United States has always been the same consistently. The more you share, the more you get. <laughs> The more you're generous For with sure. other people, people For will sure. be generous and share their stuff with you. So uh, it is a give and take, and we might all have to think about how to address that. Wow. I I guess I never truly understood the, I guess, all that goes into it and, you know, creating the program and Chris to, to really make it interesting because learning a language is not easy, right? Right. Um, especially <laughs> at, the, at the adult level. So... I imagine so you're taking all of this experience that you have, right? Yes. And now you have taken on the role of leading the Middlebury Portuguese Language School. Right. To your point earlier before we started recording, you haven't actually started yet. You were evaluating and now you're putting some of the changes that you would like together. Right. Um, but the school has been around for a very long time. Right. So oh, can you give oh, us okay. a little bit of history of the school and then kind of how things have evolved and then some of the things that you hope to do as you so said. the the middlebury college in vermont is a well very well known well established with a very large endowment school in the northeast of the united states they have something that is very famous which is the middlebury language schools which is a summer program more than a, a summer program it, it has summer schools and it has exchange programs with countries all around the world the middlebury uh, uh language schools is a group of 14 schools that happen in the summer usually for around eight weeks two two two, two months in uh, july and, and august and uh, uh the portuguese <laughs> it's 14 schools the portuguese uh, school is one of the youngest ones okay uh, it's 20 years old okay. and it it uh it happens that the bennington college 
in Vermont, which is kind of an hour south of uh, of the Middlebury College, of, uh, closer to Burlington. It's a phenomenal place to have the school because the Bennington College is an art school. So we have everything you can imagine from uh, our own theater, our own movie theater, our own beautiful galleries for sculptures. And uh, there's a wow. couple of Portuguese-American sculptures in that area, for instance, that I would, I'm planning to bring up. There's a, a couple of Portuguese-Americans uh, painters in that area that I would like also to have an exhibit going on for two months of the school uh, allows you to have fado night samba night carnival anything you want we have the buildings that actually were specifically built for this kind of cultural performances and that's 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 exciting so i'm uh, what i'm planning is uh, um to utilize the entire breadth of the, <laughs> the campus because we're there for two months so might as well explore everything including mm -hmm. the picnic areas and the, the lake which is very beautiful we are in the center of valley surrounded by the most gorgeous mountains so it's a very idyllic place to to study and to keep at getting your proficiency really mm -hmm. up there mm -hmm. um i am like you said, absolutely bringing my experience here at Princeton. One of the first things that I talked to the dean, which has been extremely receptive and wonderful, was let's build a platform to teach Portuguese to these particular students and, and let's eliminate completely the need for a book, which is oh the, first thing, the first wow. thing that we are going to be doing. We are setting up the team right now until the end of December and then January through June. All we do is develop curriculum and develop the course as me with the, the instructors that are going to teach the six levels uh, that we have. Okay. Also, if there's uh, anybody out there, who knows, maybe it's a, a possibility that uh, plans to teach Portuguese in the future, we have a program just for teachers. And the good news is that we also have a fellowship, a complete fellowship that will be made available November 1st. And I invite everybody to apply for it because it's mm -hmm. extremely generous. And this is a very, very exciting experience. Future teachers come to us. They have their language training at the highest levels of the language in our course, but they also have some uh, uh, conversations about methodology. They uh, have mentoring with somebody with experience. They participate in our class. They actually have to um, take over, do a class plan and take over a class and see did it work? Did it not work? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Get some feedback, record yourself in video and get feedback of, about what you did and how could you do better. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a truly uh, program focused on professionalizing okay a lot of masters and phds in, uh, in the united states in portugal and in brazil are for research and we ended up by having people with masters and phds that have very limited experience setting the foot in a class and actually taking over a class and mm. and and mm -hmm. uh, creating programs from scratch so this is not a program for for uh research this is a program for professionalizing for so with a practicum and with a kind of a if you want to call it a, like a very intensive internship <laughs> in mm -hmm. which you have to learn there's no other way around it because you are going to be stressing for some of these groups and you have to uh, come up with your own solutions so one thing that um i think maybe didn't get mentioned about this program is that it's immersion complete it's immersion completely yes. i mean from what you were saying before we started recording it's 
from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed, <laughs> right? even if you're a beginner and you're still trying, maybe you've got your little conversation right. book out, but you have to speak Portuguese. So for right. so, eight weeks, yeah. That's it, for eight weeks. So what we do with the beginner students, we are putting together a week's worth of work that you do before you arrive. It's kind of a survival Portuguese, okay? Ah, okay. So then when you arrive, you have one day of orientation about what's going to happen who are our guest speakers, what kind of sports activities we have, what kind of food activities we have, field trips we have, what is expected from you, which room you're going to stay in, and what time meals are served and all that. But then at the end of the day, we have this big ceremony. It's called, uh, because Middlebury is very well known for their language pledge. Uh, that ceremony, you sign a contract. With, they have All of them sign a contract with me, with the school in which they promise that for the next or they come they, they they have to for the next eight weeks we are only going to speak in Portuguese morning afternoon and night except for obvious emergency reasons uh, we can mm -hmm. or I can bring I can remove people from the group and address something mm -hmm. that they need to have addressed that is urgent but he, we will never be in group you always be uh, um, individually one-on-one -on -one because of those eight weeks We eat, breathe, live, sleep in Portuguese. TV is in Portuguese. Radio is in Portuguese. Portuguese newspapers, all the guests speak, all the activity, everything from the yoga to going off for a picnic in the lake. Everything is in Portuguese. And uh, uh, I'm hoping even to uh, come down to Newark a couple of times and uh, go up with a lot of pastéis de bacalhau yeah. and a couple of other things <laughs> to make those experiences as authentic as we can right. in in Middlebury. So it sounds it could sound a little intimidating, right? Like if someone <laughs> yeah. is like I mean it sounds cool but oh my god like the, just a hundred percent every like eat like you said eat sleep breathe. So how would you What would you say to somebody that would love to do that, but is kind of scared, like a little intimidated that it might be too much? Okay, well, uh, first I would invite them to our info session online on a Zoom uh, meeting on okay. December 13 at noon. I, if you want, I can send you the link for people yes, to sign up. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that meeting, one of the things that you're going to be able to do is talk to our alumni, to people that went through the program. Oh, great. Okay. And they can tell you exactly how it goes. And I know what you're saying. Um, I have uh, a program at Princeton in which my students are connected to a Portuguese speaker. And for 50 minutes, they, the Portuguese speaker is a, an English learner. So they speak 25 minutes in Portuguese and then 25 minutes in English in an exchange online. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, before the first day, everybody's very anxious. And after the first day, everybody's like, oh, is oh, that it? So yeah, okay, got it. <laughs> and with the middle of area, it's the same thing that happens. People are a little uh, um, very um, apprehensive, uh, a little apprehensive and a little anxiety at the beginning. But then you get there and you understand that most of our day, we spend saying yes or no. And thank you. <laughs> you know, as, na as native speakers, you are not going to be required to give a formal speech to the entire class every day. It's okay. You can definitely can say, um, I want that. I don't want that. I like it or I don't like it. Yes or no. It's hot or cold. I mean, there's a lot that with the, the week, in particular, the one, the, the, the people that have never studied Portuguese, with that week's worth of work that you do at home before you get here 
mm-hmm. to the school, you, you'll be ready to at least have those kind of, of uh, conversations. And the, our faculties and the, and the staff knows that. So they know to ask you the questions in a certain way mm-hmm. that they ask you to pick one or the other, and, uh, and you can definitely do it. And how many students do you typically get each summer? Well, we are we are hoping to get between forty and fifty. Wow, that's a big group. Yeah, yeah. It's. it's I mean, it, I thought it was. I, I mean, honestly, it is. It is. A, it is a big group. I'm not gonna say no, but it, we are. I thought one you of, were gonna say like ten. We are one. <laughs> of, we are one of the smallest schools, actually. So um, there's a lot of room to grow. And okay, so of those forty to fifty students, what's the ethnic makeup? I mean, oh, we have like, a lot of. Extremely diverse uh, from uh, my experience this summer up there. Um, not only uh, diverse in terms of origins, we have actually students uh, from all over the world because the school is very, very famous. Mm-hmm. It's considered the number one language school in the world. So uh, it reaches, the, the, the and it has a network of people that know about the school that is worldwide. Um, but we had from college students to people that are retired and planning to move to Brazil. So when we organize our our um, okay. our activities, we kind of take in, a, in consideration who are the people coming and what kind of activities would be more interested this one to this or that group. And we kind of have them simultaneously so that people can have a choice. So it's not just, I guess, what you would consider college-age students. You could no. be, like you said, someone that's retired. Or yes. maybe you're changing jobs and you're going to go work in Brazil. And so you need an intensive. That's right. Uh, oh, amazing. Okay. Now you want to go do research on renewable energies yeah. in Portugal. And all of a sudden, go figure your Spanish is not enough anymore. So <laughs> right, right. It's but a surprise. Say- it's a surprise we have for you. So they come and we do have a track for Spanish speakers. And you get to an intermediate high level really, really fast. I mean, I would love to see more and more Portuguese American students uh, taking advantage of this program, right? Absolutely, because yes. as we're trying to bring the language back and stuff like that. Okay, so that's amazing. So how does someone, I guess, will provide the link, you know, yes. to the college mm-hmm. if they want to find more information, a link to the December 13th Zoom. Right. Um, the applications start January, uh, I'm sorry, November 1st and get it's open through January of March, I think through March next okay. year. Okay. okay. Then they, they will start to ask you to uh, officialize it and, and get all the documentation in by, by, I think it's March. Got it. Is there an age minimum? Like, do you have to be at least 16 or something like that? Or is it 18? I, I believe it's 18, yes. 18, okay. Mm-hmm. There um, is a plan that uh, I've talked to. We are evaluating the pros and cons of having uh, for younger students that are heritage speakers. Mm. Uh, but uh, there's a whole range of issues that arise from working with minors that is complex. Right. right. So at the moment, it's 18 or older, yes. Oh, okay. But still, I, I would venture to say that like outside of New England, right, or East Coast in general, <laughs> I don't know that a lot of people have ever heard of Middlebury Portuguese Language School. I know I hadn't heard of it. Sorry to say. I'm a little no, it's okay. Today. But um, I feel like if more people knew about this program, 
because it's a summer program, right? Right. It's a summer program with university credits. So if you do the program, you go back to your university with a full year of uh, college, college language. credits. Yes. So you so could m- essentially like skip the language requirement during right. your normal school year because you have the credit for this. Right. That's what um, most students try to do, actually. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I feel like this is such a... Um, a great way to spend your summer, right? Because some students are thinking, you know, always like to consider study abroad for the summer, which of course would be great, right? If you you went to Portugal, but I think sometimes even in Portugal, it's not a complete immersion, right? Because people speak English there. Right, and that's the biggest difference between going abroad and going to Middlebury. In Middlebury, everything we do is intentional. There are no moment of the day that is not being thought out intentionally to maximize your learning opportunity. While if you're visiting a monument in Portugal, it's great, but you're not necessarily using the language for anything, right? Just, right, right. So this uh, is serious language. Like right. you, yeah, this is. So the video games, the trivia game, the competitions, everything is done in such a way that you will be practicing your language skills and improving your proficiency just by being there and then having to interact with the other people. That's amazing. So we are we're coming up on time, so I just want to wrap it up. But how can people, so we'll post the link for the school and the Zoom, but if people wanted to get in touch with you, Luis, how do they do that? Well, I have the the Middlebury College uh, email address. Everybody's most welcome to contact me directly, and I will be happy to answer any questions. Okay. And we'll include your email address in the show notes as well. This has been fascinating. Like, and and my brain is, the gears in my brain are turning, Louise, and we'll have some conversations about other things (laughs) that we could do together. But um, good luck. I I have no doubt that that you will grow the program from 50 students to 150 in in no time. With the changes Hopefully, that let's see. <laughs> um, I'm so thrilled to know about this program now, and I hope that others that have listened to this episode are also thankful and excited about the program. And I will say, if anyone out there listening knows of, um, has a student in their life, whether it's a, a son or daughter, a niece or nephew, cousin, friend, if you know somebody that is looking for an immersion program or really looking to improve their Portuguese language skills, this sounds like a pretty amazing program and and perfect to you know i don't want to say quick but it is quick right it's over a summer and yes. that's kind of like the equivalent of you know eight years of <laughs> taking portuguese <laughs> school on this on the weekend um you can you can become fluent in a matter of two months so that's pretty amazing um yes and I, I just want to i just want to re- reiterate please do not hesitate to get in touch with me i'm here to answer any questions you you need and uh, uh por favor uh, compartilhem com todos os filhos netos vizinhos possível okay thank you so much thank you so much that's the extent of my portuguese for this episode I, you know it's one thing wow. to like have conversation we you have know, to get and, you, and you to deliver. <laughs> it's one thing to have conversations because I can make mistakes and nobody will, you know, really bat an eye. But this is a recording. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to uh, embarrass m- Make mistakes is how you learn. It's extremely important. It's the it's an extremely important learning device to make mistakes. If you don't make mistakes, you're true. not getting up there. You're not improving. So I'm glad that you just uh, use your language skills every time you get a chance. I do. I do. Well, thank you, Louise. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. I look forward to learning more and more about the program and and doing more with your school. 
And for again, sure. for those out there, thank you for listening to another episode of Tudu Pupigish. Please share this episode and other episodes with your friends and family and um, so that more people will know about this wonderful school and other entities and organizations that uh, we have talked about on this show, as well as other shows on the Palpus podcast channel. Um, if you have not subscribed, please do so on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and other channels where you can listen to podcasts. Please leave us a review and again, share with family and friends so we can all join in the conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Tudo Português, a podcast production by Palcas, the only national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community. To learn more about Palcas, how to become a member, or to suggest a guest for our show, visit www.palcas.org or email us at palcas at palcas.org. <laughs>